Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thanks for joining us. Lots of ground to cover today. We're going to cover some different topics. Uh, We're going to talk about land values and how they are trending across the country. And we will uh, talk with Randy Dickhoot, Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations for Farmers National Company, and just get an idea of where things stand with land values. Also coming up, we're going to talk trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. So much uh, concern about the tariff situation. Where are we with uh, trade deals, not only NAFTA, but a lot of talk now about TPP. Any chance the U.S. gets back in that? So we'll talk trade, and also we have a feature today, Sabrina Hill with the American Ag Network will be joining us. She has an interesting interview on efforts to uh, rebuild the uh, pollinator industry in Puerto Rico after recent uh, storms there. So we'll talk about that as well. But we have lots of things going on in the news, and here to help us talk about that is our friend Jerry Hagstrom, executive editor of the Hagstrom Report. Hi, Jerry. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good to talk to you again. It's a beautiful sunny day in Washington, but a bit windy. Yeah, a bit windy. Well, we've, we've had plenty of that. I can tell you that across the country, so it's finally getting out there. But that's not news, is it? It's windy in Washington? Uh, no, and some might apply that word to the way that our uh, members of Congress talk a lot in this town. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, let's talk about the Farm Bill, and what are you hearing on the impasse between Republicans and Democrats over food stamps? Well, what I'm hearing today is that it's gotten worse. Uh, uh, First, the left uh, is unhappy with what uh, Chairman Conaway has proposed, and now the right, in the form of a group called the Secretary's Innovation Group, which is conservative local officials, uh, they're not happy. They think it's too liberal and isn't going to force as many uh, food stamp beneficiaries to work as they would like. So we've, it seems to me today it's worse than it was a few days ago, and uh, that's probably not good for the idea that there will be a markup on the Farm Bill next week. Any sign of uh, getting over this? Uh, we've heard about uh, Chairman Conaway trying to trying to do some fence mending. What do you hear? Well, What I would say about this, which is true over the decades, is that the left and the right are never satisfied with the food stamp provision. The left always says you're not being generous enough, there are going to be hungry people, they're not getting enough money or or purchasing power, and the right is always claiming that there are people on the program who shouldn't be there or that they're not doing enough for, for their benefits. So in the end there's likely to be a compromise uh, that people can vote for. In the end, it's members of Congress who have to vote for this. The people on the left and the people on the right, the critics, they're not the ones doing the bill. So in the end, there will be something that people agree to. The question is how much time it will take to get to that point. Ranking member Peterson told us the other day, not only was this issue a deal-breaker for Democrats, but it also could open the door for those that want to separate the nutrition title from the uh, uh, from the farm title. Uh, do you see that as a possibility or renewed efforts to get that going again? I don't see it as a uh, as a real possibility. 
because if you did that, I don't think either bill would pass the would pass Congress. Uh, the the rural people wouldn't vote for the nutrition bill, and the urban members who have no agriculture in their district wouldn't vote for uh, uh, for a farm bill. So you need to keep them together in the, in order to keep uh, both these programs going. Jerry, we keep hearing now that because Congress addressed dairy and cotton in the budget that it seems to have taken away some of the urgency for moving on on the farm bill uh, right away, and that could delay the farm bill. Do you agree with that line of thinking? I do agree with I do agree with that line. I think both cotton and dairy have gotten something now so that they're not as upset as they were. Uh, and as Colin Peterson keeps saying, there won't be many big changes to the to the rest of the bill. So it is possible that we could end up with an extension. We there are problems with that. However, uh, the the problems would would be that you can't that you can't uh, make any changes to being in the ARC program or the PLC program, uh, and then there are, are a bunch of programs that don't have any funding, and there would be a question of whether you would find money for that, uh, and that includes things like beginning farmers and some of the energy programs. We're talking with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, let's talk about another story. Um, it looks like there has been a compromise put together on the uh, Section 199 tax situation that works for the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives and the Grain and Feed uh, Association and some members of Congress, but not all members of Congress. Uh, is this thing going to go through? Well, I don't know. I just got a uh, an email from the National Farmers Union that they're not happy with this. And since the, since the members of the National Farmers Union tend to vote Democratic, that could have influence with Democratic members of Congress. But the overall question is what all is going to be in this omnibus appropriations bill. There are questions about uh, adding in things that are not, you know, really appropriations. So uh, I'd say we're still... Uh, out there, uh, uncertain about this, but it is uh, definitely a, a move forward that both the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives and the Grain and Feed Association have agreed to this fix. Yeah, and we've talked with Chuck Connor with the National Council of Farmer Cooperatives. We hope to talk with the, the Grain and Feed Association and get their thoughts on this, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see. It, it almost sounds, uh, Jerry, like ag groups are okay with it, but if for those members of Congress that oppose it, it uh, that that could be interesting come uh, election time for some of them. Uh, well, it could, although it's an awfully complicated issue yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get before the to get before the voters. Uh, uh, it, some issues are very difficult to uh, to raise in a uh, in a in a campaign. I think the larger issue is what all is put into the omnibus. By the way, there's one other point I would like to make today, and that is that Axios has declared Secretary Purdue to be one of to be part of the Under the Radar Club. He is one of the few cabinet secretaries who has not been criticized or is in danger of of being put out of office. <laughs> That's interesting, uh, but I want he is in such a tough spot a lot of times, as we've seen with the tariff situation. He has to. Uh, he obviously works for the president, but he's also trying to relate concerns for agriculture and keep his credibility with them. Indeed. Indeed, he is in a tough position. 
but he hasn't done anything like fly around the country in first-class planes or take many private flights. Uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, it appears that he doesn't have any problems like that. Uh, and uh, so far, his statements about the tariffs have not gotten into him into trouble. Um, so Washington is obsessed at the moment with things like the firing of Secretary of State Rex Tillerson, uh, all of that sort of thing. So that makes Purdue look very stable in comparison with most of the cabinet officers. Yeah, so far so good for him. All right, Jerry, as always, enjoy uh, your perspectives on the uh, on the news. Thanks a lot. We'll talk again. All right, great, Mike. Have a good day. Jerry Hagstrom, founder and executive editor of the Hagstrom Report. Coming up next, what about land values across the country? Where are they strongest? We'll get a look with Farmers National Company next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgro Roundup Ready to Extend and superior weed control, growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system, the highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Fastline Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at Fastline.com. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. 
information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Wanted to take a look at the land values across the country. Uh, we know they've they've softened certainly, but uh, fortunately we've not seen a crash. Now we still hear about some amazing. Uh, uh, sales in different parts of the country. We hear about those, but kind of want to look at what's going on maybe a little more uh, out of the headlines, behind uh, or between the lines a little bit on some of these stories. Joining us now is Randy Dickhood. He's Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations for Farmers National Company. Randy, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. What do you see as the overall trend? We'll break it down a little bit, but overall trend for land values here early in 2018. Uh, continued a little bit of that uh, post-harvest, uh, you know, little bump or optimism uh, that uh, land prices are a little stronger than we might have thought, you know, given the uh, still low commodity prices, low farm income projections. Uh, so in, in good quality land uh, in many areas still, you know, bringing a, a fairly good price, hasn't budged a lot, uh, kind of surprising us in some cases on the upside uh, because I think most people are expecting it to continue to be uh, softer and decline some more. Lower quality land um, is harder to sell. Uh, you know, the buyer, whether it's a farmer, rancher, investor, are looking for the, uh, the best quality and the most efficient uh, property to operate. So what do you make of that, Randy? As you said, surprisingly strong for the for the good land, given the uh, state of the ag economy where prices, ag, uh, commodity prices are right now. Uh, what what do you read into that? What should we take away from that? Is that a, a longer term optimism uh, about uh, the ag economy? What number of things? You know, interest rates are still low, although we're seeing those bump up. But that's going to be a gradual thing. Uh, nobody's Interest rates will still be on the lower side historically, so that's supportive. You know, land is always a long-term investment, and with some of the uncertainties in, in other investment venues, uh, potentially, uh, so uh, land still looks like a good, safe investment for that long term. And one of the big things is it still remains there's less land on the market than there, there was, you know, three, four, five years ago uh, at these. Uh, softened prices, and so it's the supply and demand working out that uh, there's less out there to buy, so when it comes up for sale, there's still some competition uh, for it. And that is interesting. Um, I was wondering, with the state of the economy right now, and with a, a lot of farmers, that older farmers think, May, maybe I'll just get out. I'm not going to ride through another one of these cycles, and maybe it's time just to sell and get out. Have you seen a lot of that, a lot of uh, um, uh, farmers wanting to just turn it over? And if so, does that more stay in the family, or what are you seeing there on the marketplace? Sure. Um, the thing with, with farmers, and having been one my, myself and, and work in the ag industry uh, my whole life, um, farmers, you know, when they do retire at whatever age, tend to uh, keep their land uh, because it's a good source of income. That's been what they've saved for in their retirement. So they'll tend to keep that land and rent it out to the neighbor or family member uh, where if there's nobody um, you know, available directly to run, continue the operation. Uh, so those don't come on 
on the market. They tend to go on down through the family, and it's several generations later uh, or so when those family uh, beneficiaries may decide to sell that land. So, but and many keep it. So that's one of the reasons there's a very low turnover in, in farmland. We have seen, um, you know, when when the ag economy turned south, that age did start retiring and see a few more of those and what they'll do is sell off their machinery um, at an auction or sale and uh, again continue to own the land as a retirement uh, income yep keeping the land all right talking with randy dickhoot senior vice president of real estate operations for farmers national company now randy let's kind of look around the country uh, you know we still hear these stories of uh, some big prices for land that comes up near somebody that they've really been wanting, uh, or you get a couple of people that are really after something that tends to still drive up the price. Uh, but those are those really high prices now more the exception than the rule that we what we saw just a couple of years ago. I think uh, everybody's, you know, most cautious, or buyers are being more cautious, lenders are being more cautious, and so we we're seeing fewer of those. But you're right, you always get those where neighbors want that for various reasons and they'll compete to, to get it well um, we're probably you know I think there's that overall cautiousness in the market is is definitely weighing uh, differently in different regions you know Iowa seems to be and some of Illinois seem to be still fairly strong you get into some other areas like Nebraska I think it's a little more cautious get further east in the eastern corn belt probably a little more cautious those land values, the the plain states, uh, definitely because of additional risk in their uh, you know, weak country, uh, are being more cautious too. So, but still, um, you know, there's buying interest and, uh, like I said, a good quality uh, farm. Uh, there's demand for it. What are you seeing, Randy? Because this has been a discussion last year or two as uh, prices have gone down, uh, commodity prices have gone down. A lot of concern. Uh, about uh, being locked into high cash rents, and there was, you know, a lot of conversations with uh, landowners uh, about uh, trying to negotiate those down. What are you seeing and hearing on that front around the country? Well, typically, you know, rents are a little slower to go up as those commodity prices increased, and so therefore the landowners, uh, like anyone who's received a certain level of income, um, are more hesitant to, to drop those quite as fast. So rents lag going up and they kind of lag coming down. Uh, in some states, uh, that cost of land ownership, uh, i.e. the real estate taxes, continue to go up some. So the landowner becomes you know, more hesitant to giving up on the rent because uh, you know, their net, after paying the taxes and insurance on, the, on their land, is, has decreased you know, something beyond their control. Um, I think also farmers, you know, were, are uh, still, uh, for that good, good quality, high productive uh, farm, they're still willing to bid pretty aggressively for it. So farmers uh, lead some of that uh, steadiness, or a lot, most of that steadiness and, and strength in the rental market beyond what we might think. Randy, when good land comes up for sale, are you still seeing most of the interest and the buying done by farmers, or are there outside of agriculture interests uh, buying that land? 
We're, we're seeing both, and it, it depends on a region. Here in some of eastern Nebraska, uh, got an area that we've seen a little more uh, the investor, but they're they're a local uh, uh, business owner, uh, professional that's investing in the land to, to buy it. Most regions we still see, you know, farmers buying 70 to 85 percent of what comes up for sale, uh, as they have the the most to gain from from owning that land, and they're most interested. Investors, investment funds are uh, picking up some of their activity, but they're cautious too because they're looking for that certain level of return. And with rents softening and land values still staying a little stronger than than might have thought, uh, they're having a hard time achieving their return levels. So they're being very choosy on their purchases too. Finally, Randy, what's your outlook for 2018 when it comes to land values? Well, so far this uh, winter, uh, going into spring planning, uh, we've had some good good sales uh, at some good levels. I think the sellers are becoming uh, a little more realistic in their expectations of what that land will sell for, and that helps get it sold naturally. Um, we're continuing to see uh, more caution. Uh, so as we move on through the year, I think we'll We'll, have, we'll be seeing the uh, gradual decline, uh, slow, measured decline in land values uh, will happen. And it'll depend on some of those outside influences like trade policy and, uh, of course, commodity prices, whether they increase and what kind of weather every region has and the yields they end up. So a lot of uncertainty, but I think we'll continue in the same uh, slow direction. As you pointed out, you get a little uptick in commodity prices. That does wonders for uh, people's <laughs> moods, right? It sure does. Brings us some optimism back. All right. Randy, thanks a lot. Appreciate the overview, and interesting to see how uh, the overall market is uh, is faring in this uh, down ag economy. Interesting. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Randy Dickoot, Senior Vice President of Real Estate Operations for Farmers National Company. All right, coming up later in the program, we're going to talk more about trade with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. A lot of concern, of course, about the tariff situation, but also what about the prospects of the U.S. somehow getting back into TPP? We'll talk about that with Dave Salmonson. But coming up next, we're going to talk about pollinators, very important part of agriculture. Some real challenges not only here. Uh, in the U.S., but also in Puerto Rico. And we'll get a report on that coming up next. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this... Beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to smartnitrogen.com to learn more. 
Time for a market check from Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson of the American Ag Network. Grain and oil seed sector, a mix on this Wednesday. Rain is expected to fall around half of Argentina's corn and soybean crop this weekend, according to private weather forecasters. That could relieve some crops that are later in the maturing process, but for many others, too little for meaningful recovery. Soybean futures have trended on either side of unchanged on this Wednesday. An hour in, we're a penny to five cents lower. May soybeans finding support at 10.32, Monday's low. Tuesday's high at 10.52, first resistance. Trading around 10.47, down a penny and three quarters. In corn, fractional changes. May bulls failing to defend the push to 395 and a quarter on Tuesday. On the downside, first support lies at 387. We're around 393 and a quarter, up a half cent. For the wheats, Minneapolis spring wheat, one to two and a fraction higher. Penny or two better in Kansas City. Chicago wheat, fractional changes. Canola futures may contract up a dime per ton at 521 in Canadian currency. For livestock in the Merck, cattle futures rallying on this Wednesday. April live cattle up $1.82 at $1.2372. A light cash cattle trade developing in some areas yesterday. Live deals seen at $1.26 to $1.28, steady to a dollar higher than the bulk of last week's live trade. In feeder cattle, trending a dollar fifty to two dollars higher. April up two bucks per hundred weight at one forty-four thirty. Lean hog futures, April contract down ninety-two, sixty-six eighty. Cash on this Wednesday being called steady to a dollar lower. The Dow, sixty points lower. Nasdaq up twenty-eight. SP down a fraction. April crude oil in New York up fifteen cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. You know, bees, pollinators are very, very important to to agriculture, and a lot of times don't get a lot of attention, a lot of publicity, a lot, not a lot of focus, unless there's a big problem. And there have been some certainly some big challenges lately, including in Puerto Rico after recent uh, hurricane there, uh, causing a lot of damage. And our Sabrina Hill with the American Ag Network recently talked with Val Dolcini's president and CEO of the Pollinator Partnership. This is an organization dedicated to the promotion and protection of all pollinating species around the world and Sabrina talked with Val about uh, his recent trip to Puerto Rico. 
I want to hear about your trip to Puerto Rico. First off, this is something that had been planned for a while. Of course, they're going through a lot of tragedy and rebuilding. What was it that really sparked your interest in going over and seeing how things were? Well, the Pollinator Partnership was contacted shortly after the hurricanes had come through the Caribbean last fall. And, of course, they were hit by not just one but two hurricanes, Irma and Maria. And we were contacted to see if we could uh, provide some assistance to beekeepers in the Caribbean and mainly Puerto Rico who'd been impacted by those storms. And so initially we set up a GoFundMe campaign, which to date has raised a a little over $20,000, and we've solicited donations of in-kind services and supplies and materials and other cash from beekeepers, private citizens, companies, really a wide range of folks who are interested in doing what they can to, you know, help our fellow citizens in Puerto Rico and help the beekeepers recover. So the purpose of my trip last week was to, uh, A, see how the relief efforts were going and see what more needs to be done, and B, you know, find ways to provide assistance for a longer-term effort and to develop a, a more sustainable approach to helping beekeepers and those interested in pollinator issues, both on the Virgin Islands and in Puerto Rico. I have to tell you, when we're talking about Puerto Rico, there hasn't been a whole lot of conversation about beekeepers there. Tell me a little bit about the pollination industry in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that's right. You know, I think people tend to focus on what the damage has been or what the status of, you know, the electrical repairs have been on the island. Puerto Rico's beekeepers serve a really important role. There are not that many of them. I think we were able to determine that there were approximately 200 or so. And they help with pollination services, that is, using their bees to, you know, pollinate different specialty crops that are grown around the island. But there are also a large number of beekeepers who do that as sort of a sideline, as an additional way to generate income. And so they're either selling their honey or they're selling various value-added bee-related products like soaps or candles or beeswax or other things. And in many cases, Sabrina, you know, they were entirely destroyed by the hurricanes. They lost not only their bees, but in most cases their hives were damaged beyond repair as well. And so our campaign sought to do two things. One was to provide emergency bee food, protein patties or pollen powder to the beekeepers. And then secondly, we wanted to get new hives and new, you know, supplies down to the islands as well. The first part of that effort succeeded, and we were able to get emergency food to not just Puerto Rico, but the Virgin Islands as well. And then the second half uh, has been a work in progress, but we've gotten now about a 1,000 new hives to beekeepers in Puerto Rico, and I was able to deliver some of those last week when I was down there to beekeepers near San Juan, and we're going to continue that in the weeks and months ahead. So, as you mentioned, it's been a few months since the hurricanes hit, and there has been some, you know, quite a bit of work done, but there's still so much to go. What I want to do is take you back to the moment when you first got there and you first started walking around and seeing things. What were you seeing, and what, how was this affecting you? Well, there's still a fair amount of hurricane damage, both in the Virgin Islands, where I started my trip, and then in Puerto Rico as well. Uh, and you see that in various forms. One could be the fact that there are traffic lights that are out uh, all over Puerto Rico still. I think Puerto Rico is only about 50% electrified at this point, so you'll go through intersections in, in places like urban San Juan, and there'll either be police you know, guiding traffic through or, 
or motorists just sort of slowly nosing their way through these intersections. In the Virgin Islands, there were still a, a lot of trees down and the huge refuse fields of, you know, down trees and brush. And in the context of beekeepers, you know, there were hives that were damaged and broken and simply gone from the bee yards all over the island. So, you know, there were beekeepers that I met that may have had, for example, 50 or so hives prior to the storm and now are down to four or five and they're slowly rebuilding. So there's still a lot of obvious hurricane-related damage, and I think that there's still a significant uh, emotional toll that uh, these beekeepers shared with me that they're going through now. You know, in many cases, it might have been the sole source of their family's income or a secondary source of the income, and without that, you know, they're really struggling to get back on their feet. And so, it, relief efforts like mine and things that are being done at USDA and some of the other big companies that do business down there are really making an impact, but there's still a considerable ways to go. We're talking about you know, farmers in another area that are really going through something and struggling. If there's a farmer here listening or other organizations here listening to you, how would you suggest that they reach out and help? You know, I think there are a number of ways to do that. You can certainly visit our website at pollinator.org for additional information about the work that we're doing in Puerto Rico. For those inclined to make a contribution, you can visit the GoFundMe page that we set up and just type in Puerto Rico bees into the search bar and you'll find us there. I think that there are lots of state farm bureaus that are uh, still providing ways to contribute and there are local beekeeping organizations uh, across the country that have found ways to contribute as well. So, you know, there are lots of ways for American farmers to help their fellow farmers in Puerto Rico. You know, we often forget that Puerto Rico is a part of the United States and the contributions that they make to our uh, overall national ag economy, while small, are important in the context of Caribbean agriculture. I met uh, the Secretary of Agriculture when I was down there in Puerto Rico and met the Secretary in the Virgin Islands when I visited that island as well. And they're keenly interested in, you know, doing what they can to make sure that folks here in the continental United States know that there is still a real challenge going on in their islands. And they're also working hard to make sure that they're, uh, you know, connecting uh, appropriately with local USDA officials, both in the Virgin Islands and on Puerto Rico, too. And I know that Secretary Purdue's team here in Washington is focused on making sure that they're being as responsive as they can, too. Lots of ways to help, and I think that our website is a great start. So for you and, and the organization, what would be your, what are you hopeful for at this point, and what are your goals with Puerto Rico? You know, one of the things that I'm doing now and I will continue to do in the weeks ahead is work with some of our corporate partners here in the United States to see what uh, degree of interest they have in underwriting various projects that uh, may exist in places like Puerto Rico to you know, further strengthen the local beekeeping economy down there. So, for example, I'm working with a company that's expressed interest in supporting an apprenticeship program for beekeepers, where beekeepers from Puerto Rico would come to the U.S. and perhaps work with some of the big uh, beekeeping-related companies and, you know, develop skills that they can take back home. What I think is really important is not simply for us to have a program that provides, you know, relief on and on, 
but really creates the opportunity for a sustainable beekeeping economy to develop in the island so that uh, if they're hit by natural disasters again, and that seems likely in this uh, world impacted by climate change, that there is a you know, kind of a native infrastructure on the island that they can look to to help them recover. I'm really glad that we've been able to provide some assistance and that this campaign has been supported by so many folks around the United States. But I also think it's important, whether it's Puerto Rico, frankly, or California or anywhere in between, to have that local uh, infrastructure that allows for farmers and ranchers to recover from natural disasters and have the sustainability that it takes to, you know, get a local agricultural economy up and running. All right, Val, can you give us your website one more time, please? Sure. It's www.pollinator.org. And thanks to Sabrina Hill with the American Ag Network for that report. Her talk with Val Dolcini, president and CEO of the Pollinator Partnership. Again, looking at the work that they're doing Uh, recovery efforts in Puerto Rico after recent hurricanes. A related note, farmers and Midwest landowners who want to help honeybees and monarch butterflies have an opportunity to do so through the Bee and Butterfly Habitat Fund's Seed a Legacy Pollinator Habitat Program. It's being supported by the National Corn Growers Association. This updated program has been expanded this year to include 11 states and it's seeking partnerships between landowners and beekeepers to provide cost-effective, high-quality pollinator habitat to ensure honeybee and monarch butterfly populations thrive. Now, applications for each state are being accepted online at beeandbutterflyfund.org slash habitat programs. This uh, will be through March 31st for spring planting. A second application period will open later this year for projects to be planted in the fall. Now, enrollment is open to public, private, and corporate landowners in the following states. Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Minnesota, Missouri, North Dakota, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. These states were selected based on their critical role to address national Pollinator Partnership Action Plan goals. All right, coming up next, uh, more on the trade front. Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us. We're going to talk about the, the NAFTA talks and about TPP. You know, TPP is moving forward without the U.S., but there are, you know, you hear rumors, you hear possibilities. Maybe somehow the U.S. winds up back in TPP. What about those uh, chances? And what about the impact of tariffs on steel and aluminum when it comes to agriculture? We'll talk with Dave Salmonson with the American Farm Bureau Federation about that next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. 
Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed Life Alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone. For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800-352-1402. That's 800-352-1402. Fastline.com is changing the equipment buying game. Fastline has just released its newest feature, the price comparison tool. The price comparison tool is the first of its kind in the ag equipment market. It's designed to help quickly compare equipment by price, make, and model. Using the price comparison tool, you can see if an item is below, above, or right at average price for similar equipment. Use this game changer right now at Fastline.com. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen? That's a given. Responsive nitrogen? That's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. 
Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Hey, welcome back. Uh, U.S. agriculture just kind of holding its breath on the trade situation. What's going to happen with NAFTA? Will there be retaliation over uh, the Trump administration's tariff policy on steel and aluminum? Where are we headed with all this? Will we get back into TPP somehow? Let's talk about all that with Dave Salmonson, Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. Dave, thanks for joining us again. Let's start with NAFTA. Um, How concerned are you about where it stands right now, what you're seeing and hearing? Well, right now, the outlines of the structure are moving ahead. You know, in the last round in Mexico City, they did close out the chapter on sanitary and phytosanitary rules, which is, uh, you know, a little bit in the weeds, but is important for moving trade across all the borders we have in North America. We have the same uh, food safety rules. That's good. They improve that. Next round will be in Washington here uh, beginning of April. Uh, so that shows that the process is, is moving forward. But there's a lot of hard issues ahead, both in the ag area, ag space, on dairy trade with Canada, and overall in the auto and auto parts negotiations. You know, that's really the reason we're having these NAFTA re- uh, negotiations to deal with the auto industry. Those are tough. Uh, the auto industries in all three countries are uh, pretty developed, pretty integrated. Changes there are hard fought. But until that's uh, sorted out, this thing really can't come to an end. And there's the wild cards of what's going to happen in the Mexican election this summer and such. So there's a path forward. It's proceeding like many negotiations do. But, again, there's a lot of extraneous issues affecting it, uh, not the least the future impact, uh, though we seems to be muted now, but we don't really know about the steel and aluminum tariffs. Do we react too much to the what we hear publicly, the headlines that are out there? Uh, is there more calm, uh, more progress being made behind the scenes, or, uh, or what we hearing re- reflective of what's really happening, that maybe it's going to be really tough to get this deal done based on what we're seeing and hearing so far? Well, I think it is show what you hear shows reflects the uh, hard issues there. As we talked about autos, we talk about some dispute settlement ideas about sunsetting and uh, redoing these every five years. These are these are hard proposals, uh, new things the administration put forward. But you know, there's 30 chapters in NAFTA. I think about six of them now, maybe more, have been closed. So the, the behind the scenes patient negotiating work goes on during the rounds and in between. This is a field work on this. NAFTA for all three governments work on it constantly, very experienced people. There are some people working on this now that worked on the original NAFTA back in the early 90s, so they they know this issue in and out. Um, But they're having to adapt to changes. We all want to see modernizations. But uh, it's not like this stuff is uh, easy to deal with, easy to deal with changes in our industrial sector in the U.S. and in the other countries, in Canada and Mexico. So this, uh, again, requires uh, patience requires uh, working hard at it. There is a tedium to these things, but they also have a rhythm. And usually a lot of issues are held to the end. The tough issues uh, sometimes require many sectors to come to overall agreement before they can be decided on. Dairy is a good example. If you look through past trade negotiations, 
issues about dairy trade, dairy tariffs, and uh, all of that dealing with the dairy industry usually aren't finished to the very end. Remember the Trans-Pacific Partnership negotiations when those ended in October of 2015. Uh, dairy was the issue that was finally decided in the early morning hours of the last day of talks. So some issues uh, held to the end. A lot of things seemed to close out fairly closely at the end. So you look for hard discussions, but you also sometimes get a quick finish. So that's what I think they're all, everybody's looking to try and get done. We all want this done as soon as possible, but it just takes time. On TPP, it moves forward without the U.S., but we keep hearing rumblings that somehow the U.S. winds up back in it. What are you hearing? Yes. Well, this, uh, as you know, the uh, new TPP uh, with the 11 uh, remaining countries basically signed an agreement last week to go ahead, and they'll have to ratify it through their countries. But uh, probably by late summer or fall, you'll see that uh, pretty much done. And then it's open for countries to join. Uh, The U.S. could certainly uh, rejoin you might say. And uh, hearing about that, the president kicked that off at the end of January when he was at that World Economic Forum in Switzerland. And in one sentence, he said, you know, maybe we'll reconsider uh, TPP. I mean, it was barely uh, just a year before that. And uh, January 23rd of 2017 is is, the third day on the job when he withdrew the U.S. from TPP. So that came as a uh, surprise, to say the least. And since then, there's been talk about it. Uh, Other administration officials have uh, talked about it. And now that they see that the TPP concept is alive and going forward, I think they could rejoin. Certainly the U.S. would want to negotiate some things. Uh, You know, the TPP agreement, again, is a a few years old. Some things have changed. They might want to update a few things, uh, put some uh, new discussions in there. But I think the U.S. is looking at it uh, seriously. Uh, in agriculture, we certainly want uh, the U.S. to uh, consider strongly rejoining the TPP. We knew we were going to get very good benefits uh, out of being a part of it, especially with Japan. And we don't want to see other countries take advantage of that. Those uh, low, much lower tariffs on beef and pork and dairy and other products that uh, the U.S. basically negotiated, but we can't take advantage of, and other countries are taking advantage of. You know, we watch the European Union make a trade deal with Japan and basically get the same uh, deal on agriculture that the U.S. had already negotiated. So uh, we think there is a urgency to this. We want to see the U.S. Uh, reengage on TPP, and hopefully that can move forward. Having Greg Dowd in now as chief ag negotiator, that should help. Yes, it, yes, it definitely should. It's uh, very important to have that position filled, to have a political appointee, Uh, at the top, working uh, with the people at the top of the USTR, uh, specifically on agriculture. You know, a lot of us in agriculture worked there in the uh, mid-1990s to get that position established, just to have that kind of uh, impact. And Mr. Dowd comes from long experience in the private sector and on Capitol Hill, uh, knows these issues in and out. And so we uh, wanted him there for a long time, happy he's there now. And he has to, you know, jump in and uh, keep working away now on NAFTA, but also hopefully on uh, future trade agreements that will be important for U.S. agriculture. Well, as you pointed out, these things take time. Uh, We get anxious about them, and especially when the the headlines don't seem very positive, but hopefully it's all going to work out. A lot lot at stake, a lot on the table. Dave, thanks a lot for the update. Oh, happy to be with you. Take care. Dave Salmonson. 
He is Senior Director, Congressional Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation. That wraps it up for another AOA. Thank you for joining us. More coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll be with us. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for being with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system with a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgrow Roundup Ready to Extend and superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system, the highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today.